Well, if you'll give me just a minute or two before the sermon begins, I want to do a little bit of a commercial or an update. Our next series here is called Trading Spaces, and uh, it's going to have a lot more meaning maybe than we realize right at first. If you've been part of Messiah for years, you're watching something happen, especially if you attend uh, all the worship service. You're watching us grow very rapidly, and one of the areas of growth is we have so many more children here at Messiah, and that's the most exciting thing I can possibly imagine as a pastor. Amen. And one of the great things about the growth is it's putting pressure on some facilities. And so we're going to be talking about some great ideas that the Lord has brought to us in the next, uh, for five weeks during the month of June, especially trading spaces. You're going to hear from me for a couple of weeks. Uh, you're going to get to hear from Lance. You'll hear from our children's pastor, uh, Dan Kubish. You'll hear from Rick Hopper, who is our connection group pastor. I cannot imagine being in our church in a more exciting time than right now. I'm just telling you right now, this is going to be one of the most exciting series. If you love this church, you're going to be thrilled with what God is going to be doing for the next three years and then especially beyond that. So I just want to give you a heads up about some really exciting things in a series called Trading Spaces. Right now, though, we're in a series called Arcade. This is the last sermon of the series. It's about a man who lived 3,000 years ago named Solomon. He was king. He was the richest man in the world and the most successful king that Israel ever had. He came to the throne at a time of blessing and peace and great prosperity. God not only blessed Solomon, but God blessed the whole kingdom. I was reading a story again this week about how that the kingdom stretched vastly beyond what we imagine Israel as being today. And there were countries that poured their wealth into Israel. And things were so good. Listen to this. Things were so good in Israel that everybody had their own house and their own garden. Can you imagine that? I mean, not only no homeless people, but beyond that, everybody was a homeowner. It was an incredible time to live in Israel. And Solomon, having all this wealth, woke up one day and he said, and we saw this in our first sermon, he said, still haven't found what I'm looking for. He had all the stuff, but he couldn't find meaning. So he set out to search, to try everything, to see what would make him happy. And that's where we've been for the last five weeks. We've been looking at Solomon's search. The book is Ecclesiastes, and it's a journal. Solomon is leaving us a journal of all the different things that he tried. And folks, please, like I said in the first sermon, don't get the idea that Solomon was, you know, some uh, middle-aged baby boomer cruising the streets in his vet with chains, you know, and picking up girls. That's, he was a major player. The Bible tells us Solomon was very knowledgeable about all different kinds of pursuits in life, and he could talk about plants. He, 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 knew, every, he knew every plant from the, little, you know, from the little hyssop that grew in the walls to the biggest trees. He could talk to you about any kind of horticulture. He could talk to you about any kind of masonry. He could talk about architecture. Any subject you wanted to talk to Solomon about, he was conversant on as an expert. And the kings of the world would bring their leadership teams in to sit at Solomon's feet so Solomon could lecture to them about life and greatness. And yet when this guy got alone in his room, he said, I don't know what life's about. I don't know what, I'm trying to find out where's the meaning in life. All this knowledge, all this money, all this power, the adulation, man, this guy got the love. If you want to see somebody getting the love from, from, from the people, it was Solomon. I mean, he was the most important guy in the world, and people revered him and loved him and looked up to him. Here's why I say all the things that I'm saying this morning, and, and I want to really you kind of recapitulate this as we, as we end this series today. I really believe a lot of us feel like in our subconscious that if we could get there, life would be great. You know, here's what Solomon said about himself. He said, 
I had more than anybody else. Anything I saw, I wanted. And he said, I didn't, I, he said, I didn't, it didn't hold back anything. He said, if I wanted it, I got it. I took it. I have more than anybody else. And I, I don't know that we ever say that. I don't even think we would admit it to ourselves. But if we go down deep into our psyches and begin to listen to ourselves, I think that's what we think. You know, if I, if I had more money, if people liked me, if I, you know, if I could get these things that I want, I would be happy. And yet Solomon tried all these things, and each time he tried something, it didn't work. It didn't make him happy. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand to give you framework for this morning's message. Solomon was living in a fantasy world. The only difference between Solomon and a lot of us was he was able to execute his fantasies. If he fantasized about it, he got it. If he fantasized about a woman, he just took her. If he fantasized about a possession, he, he just bought it. If he fantasized about a building, he built it. If he fantasized about a garden, he planned it. He had his own zoo, and he knew about all kinds of animals. If he fantasized about having another addition to his zoo, he just did it. Here's the thing. Whatever he fantasized about, he got more of. That's the way he lived his life. Fantasize, get it. But one day Solomon looked at all of his study and his pursuit, and he realized that there was something that he wasn't getting more of. He was getting more money, he had more sex, he had more power, he had more prestige, he had more buildings, he had more animals, but there was one thing he wasn't getting more of. He wasn't getting more time. And one day he began to fantasize about being young. Now I know we have our high schoolers in here, and high schoolers don't know what this is about yet. But some of you know what it's like to fantasize about being young. You see two guys on the street, you know, here's this kid. You know, he's got this beat-up car, he's delivering pizzas, you know. And, you know, in the intersection pulls this old guy, you know. You know, one of these guys, in, in, you know, bald and gray like me. He's real, except, you know, really old. And not, this is not like me. Guy pulls up in a Ferrari. And they look at each other. And here's the kid thinking, man, I wish I was him. <laughs> and the old guy saying, man, I wish I was him. You know, he gets saying, I'd do about anything to have a Ferrari. And the old guy saying, I'd do about anything to be young. And that's where Solomon is. He begins to fantasize about being young. And he's thinking to himself, if only I had it to do over again. That's the one thing that I think young people, and, and I, I put a lot of us in that category. I mean, when you still have a lot of determinative life left, I think that's one thing that a lot of us fail to understand. We, we live in such a do-over culture. We live in a culture with so many safety nets there's kind of this feeling that, you know, I can do whatever I want to do, and if I don't, if it's not the right thing, I can put it in reverse and back up and do it again. But a lot of life is not like that. In fact, most of life's not like that. You make choices, those choices have ramifications. You can't undo those things. It's like, you know, on the computer, when you get that message, can't undo. I mean, some of life is just like that. You can't undo it. You can't go back. You can't play it over again. And that's where Solomon is. After trying all this stuff and living this life of excess and fantasy, Solomon is saying, you know, 
The thing I'm fantasizing about right now is being young again. And the irony of all that is, is that when he started thinking about what it would be like to be young again, he got it right. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And that's why today's message is called No Token Required, How to Win Every Day of Your Life. Because see, you don't have to mess your life all up like Solomon did. You can do it right the first time. You can, you can, take, you can take what he's teaching us because for the first time, Solomon is telling us the straight stuff. When, it, when he got to this place where he said, if only I could do it over again, that's when he got it right. So I'd like to call your attention to our text this morning. It is in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. By the way, could I just say this? just so that we'll understand, is that he couldn't do it over again. You know that? He couldn't. You know, I, I, I play golf not very well, but all you golfers, you know what a mulligan is, right? That means, you know, after you slice the ball or hit it in the water or whatever, you can say, hey, did anybody see that? Okay. You didn't see it, didn't happen. You take out another golf ball, put it on the tee, it's a mulligan. And it's not fair, and they don't, Tiger Woods doesn't get to do that, and the Masters, I want you to know that. And you won't get to, you won't get to take a mulligan with your life either. And Solomon is learning that. But now in chapter 12, verse 1, Solomon is saying, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and you no longer enjoy living. You see, Solomon is fantasizing about what it would be like to be young again. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, be sure that you don't forget your creator when you're young. Now, that's an interesting thing. I don't want you to go past it too quickly. He's saying, don't forget your creator when you're young. And here's what he's saying. He's saying the excitement of youth, the energy and the passion and the bright colors of youth might cause you, the inclination is, the likelihood is, that the bright colors and the excitement of youth just might cause you to forget your creator. When we look back on the life of Solomon I think we can see Solomon forgot three things. And my concern today is your pastor, and also my concern for myself, I want to make sure that we don't forget these three things while we still have some miles left on our odometer. While we still have some life left, I want to make sure that you and I don't forget these three things. Here's the first thing Solomon forgot. He forgot he didn't make himself. (laughs) You know, that's the thing. We, we, we arrive on this planet, and, and we begin to make choices. We begin to, to live life. If we're not real careful, we can forget that we did not make ourselves. I find it significant that when Solomon used the word for God here, he chose the word creator. He said, don't forget your creator. Solomon did forget that he didn't make himself. I don't know. You know, Solomon was a prolific writer. His dad was a prolific writer. His dad, King David, wrote the Psalms. Maybe, maybe Solomon was just thumbing through his Bible one day and he came across the words his dad had written in Psalm 103 when David wrote, Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Maybe that's where, maybe Solomon read that one day and, Oh man, how did I forget that I didn't make myself? See, here, here's, where, here's what this all comes down to. Solomon's journal, Ecclesiastes, is all about finding purpose. And here's how it correlates with God being our creator. If you don't have any maker, in other words, if you just arrived here by accident, it's up to you to discover your own purpose. But if you had a creator, if you had a maker, then obviously your maker determines your purpose. I mean, a Honda Accord doesn't wonder about what its purpose is. A Craftsman Circle Saw doesn't wonder about what its purpose is. 
You know, a Yamaha flute doesn't wonder what its purpose is. Its maker designed it. The, the only difference between us and, and something else that was created is God created us with, with a personality and with self-determination and choice. And the thing is, we can go off on a tangent if we forget that we were made. We're living through a time when there's a lot of debate about creation being taught in schools. And we in Kansas, for some reason, wind up kind of in the epicenter of that. We become the butt of jokes. What's it all about? You know, it's like evolution is science and creation is religion. No. Evolution has its science. Creation has its science. Both of them have their religions. Fact of the matter is, there's no way that you can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt what happened when this thing all started. I, I would just sit here and tell you the simple logic that determines that the complexity of life demands a designer. As I shared with you the other day, you could get all the aircraft manufacturers, you know, here in this city and give them unlimited budget and they couldn't build a sparrow. We barely even understand DNA. Who wrote the codes? Just the complexity of life argues for a creator. But understand something, and I think I've shared this with you before, that those who advance the concept of evolution, they don't do that because of scientific proof. They do it because of this very thing. See, if there's no creator, you're free to find your own purpose. At the moment that I suggest or anyone suggests that we have a creator, the next question is, what is his purpose for us? I guarantee you that isn't something that's going to be real popular on university campuses, that there is a God who has a purpose for us. It doesn't come down to science. It comes down to philosophy. Everything is banked on that. And if you say, well, there is a creator, it's kind of you get into an emperor's new clothes kind of thing where you're the one stating the obvious. But that's what Solomon is saying. He's saying, don't forget your creator. He forgot that he had, he had a creator. And because he had a creator, his creator had a purpose. And it wasn't up to Solomon to try all these dead-end streets to figure out what purpose was. It was for Solomon to go to his creator and say, why did you make me? What is your purpose for my life? And I believe that. I know that's true. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for me. God has a tailor-made purpose for you. God doesn't have a, I mean, you're not going to go down to Dillard's and find your size and you find your purpose in life. No, no. God's got a specific tailor-made purpose for you. He's got your life planned for you. He's got his best for you. Now, Solomon's inferring something. And guys, I hope you'll, hope you'll pick this up. And, and I'm, I'm throwing so much at you today because I wish this series was going to go for another six weeks. I love it so much. But here's the thing Solomon's inferring. Solomon is inferring that you will figure this out when you get old. If finally you'll come to it. <clears throat> it isn't something that you'll just attach to when you're young unless God's Holy Spirit just kind of pulls you into it and you're receptive to it and you buy into it early on. What Solomon is saying is you're probably not going to figure this out until you get old. But when you get old, then you got an issue. You finally figured out what life's about, but you, can't, you, can't, you don't have your best to give to God anymore. Listen to what he says, and he gets pretty graphic here. <clears throat> in Ecclesiastes 12.1, he says, Honor him in your youth before you grow old and no longer enjoy living. It will be too late then to remember him when the light, and he starts getting real poetic here, the light of the sun and the moon and stars is dim to your old eyes, and there is no silver lining left among the clouds. Your limbs will tremble with age, and your strong legs will grow weak. Your teeth will be too few to do their work, and you'll be blind too. <laughs> oh, man. He's Solomon just, you know, he's freewheeling here. And when your teeth are gone, keep your lips tightly closed when you eat. 
Even the chirping, even the chirping of birds will wake you up, but you yourself will be deaf and tuneless with a quavering voice. You'll be afraid of heights and falling white-haired and withered, dragging along without any sexual desire. You'll be standing at death's door. Maybe that's where Solomon is. He said, hey, I just now figured it out. Only problem is my teeth are gone. I mean, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't even want to go into this. I mean, just imagine Solomon having all these, all these possessions and all this money and all these women, and here he is at the end of his life, and he's saying, I, 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 I figured it out now. I was, I was talking to Paul Clark here, a good friend of mine, and, and I, have a, I, I love to listen to one of our senators speak on the floor of the Senate. He's Senator Byrd of West Virginia. And uh, he's, he's always pulling the Senate back to, I mean, Senator Byrd's a godly man, and, and he really does believe in the, the heritage that we were given, the founding fathers in, in religion and in godliness and the Bible and public life. And he'll go on the floor of the Senate and, he, and nobody's going to say anything to him because he's kind of like the dean of the Senate and he can go on for a long time and, and none of the young senators are going to say anything to him. But uh, he, was, he was giving a speech on the floor of the Senate, I think back about five years ago, and I happened to be watching C-SPAN and, and he was going into a long oration on how our country was founded on faith and, and the Bible and, and all these things. And he started talking about life after death and how there's a life to come. And Senator Byrd looked up, and I guess that, you know, some of the other younger senators were kind of, you know, kind of doing this number and maybe smirking a little bit. And he stopped his speech, and he said, you guys may laugh at me today, but he said, you're going to get old. And he said, you're going to know that there's life after death. And I thought about him this week. And Senator Byrd has been a believer for almost all of his life, but... I think the point that he's making is true. I mean, when you get to the end of, his, end of your life, you're going to know these things. But what can you do about them? And by the way, you know, somebody can say, well, well man, Mark, I'm, I'm up in years. Listen, the way I look at it is if your life is not described the way Solomon described those things, you're still young, okay? I mean, if you still have your teeth or somebody else's, you're still young, all right? That's how I look at that. So that's what Solomon is saying. He's saying, find out early what your purpose is. Go to your maker. Go to your creator. First thing Solomon forgot, he forgot who made him. He forgot that he didn't make himself. Number two, he forgot that he didn't get where he was by himself. See, when Solomon got to this place in life where he just decided he was going to go do this for himself and do that for himself and try this and try that, I really believe there's a point in which Solomon became God in his life. He forgot that he didn't get, by him, get, get to where he was by himself. All, all during this series, I've been telling you about this text. This morning, I want to read it to you. There was a point when Solomon was very young. He was just barely king, and God appeared to him in a vision. And, and, and God talked to him and asked him what he wanted. This is what Solomon said in 1 Kings 3, verse 6. O Lord my God, now you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am among your own chosen people, a nation so great that they are too numerous to count. Give me an understanding mind so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. This is how he started. But if you were to read the next verse, what you would discover is God loved that. When the moment Solomon said that, when Solomon said, God, what I'd really like to have is a hearing heart where I can know what life is all about, God was all over that. And he said, Solomon, I love that answer. And because you didn't ask for all these other things, I'm going to give them to you, and I'm going to make you great. Now, here's the deal. Here's the thing I want to say to you. When Solomon was going nuts, I think he forgot 
tempted, he didn't get where he was because of himself. And that can happen to you and me. You know, when we're young, and, and, and forgive me for breaking a sense, but you know, some of you, some of you have kind of arrived in life, you got a little money, you got a nice car, you have a nice home, and you got a title, people look up to you, and you make speeches for groups, and, and people ask you, people call you, want to know how to deal with life, and, and all of a sudden, you become an expert. If you're not careful, you'll forget how you got there. Are you listening to me this morning, Americans? If we're not careful, we can forget how we got there. You know, for the grace, if it weren't for the grace of God, you and I could be homeless this morning. Just a few twists and turns in the road. Just a, just a few simple changes in life. Maybe a, a different set of parents or maybe a different life situation or being born in a different place. You know, you didn't, you didn't make yourself born where you were born. You didn't give yourself your parents. You didn't give yourself the educators who were in your life, who caught you at, at pivotal moments, those, those teachers who believed in you and encouraged you to, to go on to college, those parents who saved for you to go to college. The, just, and then you say, well, Mark, I, I worked my way through college. So did I, but I got to tell you this. It was God who gave us the health and the strength and, and the ability to work to make our way through college. All I'm trying to tell us is, if you're not, you're not careful, we can forget that we didn't put ourselves where we are in life. And you say, well, Mark, I've, I've kind of made it in life. I, you know, and we, we, you see, here's the thing. We don't ever say these things. We just live like they're true. We just say, mm, you know what? I, I, I'm above that. That's where Solomon was. When he said, don't forget your creator, for a little while he forgot that he didn't make himself king. He wasn't the one who gave himself the wisdom that he had. And by the way, let me tell you this. If you arrive at the top, I mean really arrive at the top in life, and you're really successful, it's because you have something that's bigger than intelligence. Because there are a lot of intelligent people who can't think their way out of a paper bag. All you got to do is refer back to some of your professors in college. Not all of them, just some. If you arrive, it's because God has given you judgment, wisdom. See, a lot of people have knowledge, but they can't do anything with it. The ability to do something with knowledge, that's a gift from God. The Bible says it is. And the Bible says you can ask for it. That's what Solomon did. James said it in his book. He said, if, you, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. God doesn't get after you for asking for wisdom. Ask for it. That's judgment. And that's one of the things that I just, you know, and I'm going to get off on a tangent here and I'll try to get right back. One of the things that just really gets me about modern America is like modern America doesn't want to make any judgments about anything. Oh, I'm just tolerant. That means I don't make any judgment about anything. And it's good to be tolerant in its true sense, but we, we live in a culture today that, that can't think its way out of a paper bag. And if you want, if you want judgment, ask God for it. I mean, Solomon forgot that he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't get there by himself. When he was like spending all this money on houses and women and parties and, and comedians and zoos, he, he forgot that he didn't get there by himself. And, when, and you say, oh, Mark, that's crazy. Yeah, but we're spending money on, on all kinds of automobiles and entertainment and home theater systems. I mean, if you look at it, we really, a lot of us are just tracking right along with Solomon. It's just that our economy is such that it allows us to do that, and, and we feel like we're just being ordinary, like everybody else. But a lot of us are going right down the same trail with Solomon. Third thing that Solomon forgot, and this is big, okay? This is big. If you thought the other two were big, wait till you hear this one. Solomon forgot that God put him there to bless other people. 
He, Solomon saw himself as a consumer. I mean, what is it going to take to make me happy? What do I have to buy to make myself happy? What, what is this going to make me feel good? I'm king. I, 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 I'm here to please myself. I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to find out what's meaning in my life. If God makes you great, and, and I really believe that God's going to make a lot of you great. I mean, I just kind of rub shoulders with some of you high schoolers. I'm just so impressed with you and what you know and, and your passion and things. And I talked to, to many of you of all ages, and, and I really believe God's going to make some great people in here. I don't mean great in the eyes of the world. I mean just truly great. You're going to make a difference. But if God makes you great, if God blesses you with resources, he doesn't do that for you to become a consumer of all those things. He wants you to become a conduit through which he can bless others. You know, I'll just take the gift that God has given me to communicate. I mean, it's like always been there, even since childhood. And it's it's always been something that uh, scares me. I'm always scared to get up in front of you, but I've always kind of had the ability to stand in front of a crowd and talk. Now, there have been many opportunities in my life to take that gift and use it in some other way that would bring more income to myself. But that's not what God chose for me to do with my life. God wanted to work through me. And that's the way it is with everyone here today. Every one of you has a gift, and God does not give you that gift so that you can lavish its accomplishment on yourself. See, here's the thing. God blessed Solomon so he could bless his people. God didn't make Solomon the richest man in the world so he could spend all that money on himself and buy women and buy homes and buy, you know, all all this entertainment and and then go into his room and say, I don't know what life is all about. That's not why God blessed him. Listen, I'm talking to some of you today. You got all kinds of stuff, but you're not happy. And the reason you're not happy is it's all like this. It's all coming internal. Something happened when Solomon was going crazy on this binge to try to find out what life was all about. He called in his um, administrator, head of his, head of his finance department there. He called in, the, you know, his, uh, his economic guru. And he said, how are we doing? And he said, I hate to tell you this, Solomon, but man, uh, reserves are down. What are we going to do? You want to build these big palaces for yourself, and, and the money's just kind of slipping a little bit. What do I do? Solomon said, well, that's simple. Everybody's got their own house. Everybody's got their own vineyards. Let's raise taxes. And he started raising taxes. And little by little, the people that loved their king began to notice that they were having to pay higher and higher taxes. They were, having to, they were having to spend more of their income. And they would say, well, what are we paying higher taxes for? And people would say, well, that, see Solomon's palace? That's what we're paying higher taxes for. Now listen, here's the thing I want to show you. Look at the text here. This is in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 4. When Solomon's son, this is after Solomon died, and his son Rehoboam became king, he was like on the first day of the job. And... Some of Solomon's old advisors came in to see Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Listen to what they said. Your father was a hard master. Lighten the harsh labor demands and the heavy taxes that your father imposed on us, then we will be your loyal subjects. When Solomon became king, he was loved. But he just kept raising taxes and raising taxes so that he could spend this money on himself. And after a while, the people who had once loved him chafed under, even though they continued to love him, they chafed under the high taxes. Don't you find that ironic? That the man whom God placed on the throne to be a help and a blessing to the people became a hardship to the people? 
And that can happen in your life. God has blessed you and me so that we can be a conduit through which he can bless others. So now we come to the very end of Ecclesiastes. We're in chapter 12, and and he's going to sign off here. And in chapter 12, he kind of leaves us something, and I want to leave you because it, it really does fit the culture that you and I live in. He says, but my child be warned, there is no end of opinions ready to be expressed. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? If you try to figure out what life is about, a lot of people are going to try to tell you. And he is so true. There is no end of opinions. Any of you guys watch any of the, you know, cable news channels or whatever? You ever watch it where they, like, get four people, you get four squares of four people, and they're all giving their opinions on stuff? And it's all a lot, a lot of it's a lot of drivel a lot of times. But he's right. There's no end of opinions. If you go to people, you can get 12 different answers from 12 different people, and it's not a bad thing to get advice, but Solomon's just saying, I want to warn you about this. There's no end of opinions, and I love his language here, ready to be expressed. Boy, people are so ready to express their opinion. And we live in a culture that says everybody's got their opinion, but not every opinion is a good opinion. And he said this, he said, studying them can go on forever and become very exhausting. Here's my final conclusion, verse 13. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is the duty of every person. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And Solomon signs off the book. And what's he saying? He's saying, when you still have life left, go to your maker and ask him, what did you make me for? What is your purpose for my life? And live out your days remembering God and honoring him, bringing value to him. How much like the statement of Jesus that I began this series with. He said, if you want to hold on to your life, you let it go. And if you try to keep it, it will get away from you. My prayer to you as we close out this series is that you will take a serious moment in your life, a defining moment like Solomon had. A defining moment where you'll go before God in prayer and say, God, please show me what you want me to do with my life. And don't wait till it's too late. You say, well, Mark, it is too late for me. Not too late today. It might be too late for you to go back in time and marry a different person. It might be too late for you to go back in time and choose a different career. It might be too late for you to go back in time and, uh, and undo some terrible thing that you did that caused all kinds of pain in your life. But I'll tell you what, it's not too late for you today to go to your maker and say, Lord, I want you to be Lord of what is left of my life. And of course, you, you know, if I'm going to be candid. You guys in high school, you got it on all of us. You have a chance to make it happen big time. You have a chance to make it happen huge. Because a lot of people here would love to go back, like Solomon fantasized about being young. A lot of old people here, like me, who would love to go back and do it right. You got a chance now. You have a chance. I just want to ask you, maximize, seize the moment. Seize the moment. Make the most of your life. And remember God. Remember that you didn't make yourself. Remember that you didn't get here by yourself. And remember that God put you here to bless other people.